Welcome to Weekly Wisdom from Jubilee Circle. We teach the common wisdom of love and unity that is found in all mainstream religions, metaphysical teachings, mysticism, and inspired secular and religious writers and teachers throughout the ages. Our goal is to help you connect with your higher divine self and transform from the inside out so you can become a force for love and transformation in the world. Each week, we bring you wisdom from our founding spiritual director, Reverend Candace Shalou, and other guest speakers. We hope you enjoy this week's Words of Wisdom. I did want to acknowledge this morning the fear that I am feeling ahead of the midterm elections that are coming up a week from this Tuesday, and I don't think I'm alone in having this sense of terror. I believe, in fact, everyone is sort of fearful in what may or may not happen. But the thing is, we're all fearful for different reasons, right? So the outcomes that strike fear and terror in my heart bring a sense of joy and elation to the hearts of others. And what's going to make me happy would make them sad and terrified. And this jubilance is how we know that fear is not real. A Course in Miracles says that only love is real, that unfiltered, unadulterated, unconditional, infinitely powerful kind of love. And that love wills one thing, for us to recognize it as our true home, because that's what makes it real. If fear were real, we would all be afraid of the same thing, but we're not. The unreality of fear is what keeps us all afraid of different things. And to put the cherry on top for the ego, it keeps us afraid of each other. Fear is the ego's trump card that keeps us mired in our feelings of separation. So how do we step away from this unreality of fear? Well, we begin by seeing the ego for what it truly is. It is an imaginary friend that keeps getting us into trouble. That's not easy because the ego has all sorts of tricks to keep us perpetually frightened in the world, frightened of each other, frightened of ourselves. It shows us this world that it says is filled with evil, with conflict, with meanness and grievance. The ego, though, it's like a trick-or-treater at the door. Trick or treat, it screams, and we choose trick 99% of the time. That's when the ego convinces us the world is bad. And it's that way, it says, because we are bad. When we choose treat, however, we're telling the ego we see through its costume. We see its lies. We're on to it. A Course tells us that we are sinless, and that is the truth about us. We are not goblins and ghouls who need a savior. We are love. We are joy. We are peace. And as such, we are incarnations of God's glory and magnitude in this world. So in this safe and sacred place this morning, Jubilates, I invite you to take off the ego's mask of fear. You remember the mask. You know, he couldn't get it off. It had become him. That's what fear is like. We can't get it off anymore because we think it is us. 
But when we can take off that mask, we get a glimpse of the truth and the beauty of who we truly are, innocent and beloved children of God who are meant to live into their glorious higher divine self. So I invite you this morning, put away your childish, fearful fantasies of your imaginary ego friend and step into the reality of love, what you truly are. And if enough of us do this, if just enough of us are willing, we will see fear disappear from this world. And that will make us all say, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hear these wise and holy words. From A Course in Miracles, Chapter 12. Fear is a symptom of your own deep sense of loss. If when you perceive it in others, you learn to supply the loss, the basic cause of fear is removed. Thereby, you teach yourself that fear does not exist in you. This means for removing it in yourself, and you have demonstrated this by giving it. Wait a minute. The means for removing it is in yourself. The means for removing it is in yourself, yeah. and you have demonstrated <laughs> this by giving it. Okay. Fear and love are the only emotions of which you're capable. One is false, for it was made out of denial, and denial depends on the belief in what is denied for its own existence. By interpreting fear correctly as a positive affirmation of the underlying belief it masks, you are undermining its perceived usefulness by rendering it useless. Defenses that do not work at all are automatically discarded. If you raise what fear conceals to clear-cut unequivocal predominance, fear becomes meaningless. You have denied its power to conceal love, which was its only purpose. The veil that you have drawn across the face of love has disappeared. Don't worry, we'll unpack all that. <laughs> Big promises there. From Marianne Williamson's book, A Return to Love. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually... Who are we not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we light, let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. From the Christian scriptures, 1 John 4, 17 and 18. God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry because our standing in the world is identical with Christ's. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is one not yet fully formed in love. These are wise and holy words. Thanks be to the holy. All creation is holy word. All creation speaks volumes of the holy. Hallelujah. One night many years ago, Angie Gorman was in bed alone at home when a man kicked open the door of her bedroom. 
And this was back in a time before cell phones, and her only phone was a landline downstairs. The man was verbally abusive as he approached her bed, and Gorman recalls lying there just in abject fear, feeling very vulnerable. And what went through her mind at that moment, though, was not thoughts of escape. Where could she go? Screaming, nope, that's going to be useless. No one was around to hear her. She also thought about how silly it would be to have a gun under her pillow to defend herself. Somehow, she said, I could not imagine this man standing patiently by while I reached under my pillow for my gun. It was her next thought, she says, that she believes saved her life. I realized, she said, with a certain clarity, that either he and I made it through this situation safely together, or we would both be damaged. And in that moment, she says, she found herself acting out of concern for both their safety, keeping him from committing an even more heinous act that would have damaged both her and him. That thought, she said, disarmed her. It didn't eliminate her fear, she said, but it did loosen fear's grip on her just enough for her to see what she needed to do. Talk to him. She asked him what time it was. He answered. And as the conversation went on, the tension in the room started to ease. She asked him how he got in, and he said, well, I broke the glass on the back door. And she said, well, that's a problem because... I don't have the money to fix that door. And that's when he started to tell her about his own financial struggles. We talked, she said, until we were no longer strangers and I felt it was safe to ask him to leave. But he didn't want to leave. He told her that he didn't have any place to go. So she said, she said to him, why don't you stay on the couch? And he did. And she said she stayed up all night, wide awake and shaking, right? Right? The next morning, she made him breakfast, and he left. Gorman was able to diffuse a potentially violent situation because she acted in an unexpected way. Those who attack their victims expect to be attacked back, or at least fought off in some way. They expect their victim to scream, to fight back, to try to escape by responding instead, though, with curiosity and wonder. Gorman put the attacker back on his heels. He was off balance. She did what A Course in Miracles instructs us to do, to replace our fear with love, thereby replacing the attacker's fear with love as well. The only reason an attacker ever attacks is because of fear. Fear is a symptom, our our reading says this morning. Fear is a symptom of your own deep sense of loss. If when you perceive it in others, you learn to supply the loss, the basic cause of fear is removed. The basic cause of fear, jubilance, is the feeling that we have lost our connection to our higher divine self that we've lost that internal sense of the eternal, of the unchanging and unconditional love that created and sustains us. If we can reconnect to that feeling, that knowing that we're innocent 
that we are beloved children of God who are meant to be the light of love in the world, no matter what circumstances come upon us, then we can remove all fear from our lives. By interpreting fear correctly, a course says, as a positive affirmation of the underlying belief it masks, you are, you are undermining its perceived usefulness by rendering it useless. Defenses that do not work are all automatically discarded. And this is exactly what Gorman did. All the usual defenses, screaming, trying to escape, fighting back, reaching for a gun, all, all useless. She interpreted her fear correctly as something false that would not help her at all in this situation. Instead, she correctly interpreted her intruder's fear as a call for love. And she supplied the loss. She was the one who supplied the love in the situation, and they both made it through the night together safely. I will not deny jubilance that we live in fearful times. Because of political polarization, ongoing class warfare, unstable economic conditions, a general sense that the world's going to hell in a handbasket, we're all kind of jumpy. We're divided so thoroughly so thoroughly in this country especially, that we can't even begin to see the loss of love in others, let alone find it within ourselves to supply that love so that our mutual fear of each other can be ended once and for all. In short, we are deathly afraid of each other in this moment in history. It's times like these, though, that we have a choice. We either give in to the fear and none of us make it through this safely. It's every person for themselves. Or it's times like these when we learn to love again, to live again, to rediscover what we have never, ever lost, our capacity to bring love to fear whenever we encounter it, either within ourselves or in the world around us. If you raise what fear conceals, of course says, to clear-cut, unequivocal predominance, fear becomes meaningless. You have denied its power to conceal love, which was its only purpose. The only purpose of fear is to make us not see love. But if we can see through the false fear, the veil that you have drawn across the face of love has disappeared, of course says. So what are you afraid of this morning, Jubilance? Are you afraid of what might happen politically in the coming weeks in this world? Are you afraid of what might happen to you personally, be it in a relationship, a job, or how the whole political shakeout in the next few weeks might affect you personally or the country as a whole? I invite you this morning to raise what fear conceals to clear-cut, unequivocal predominance. Instead of looking out into the world and feeling terrified, look at it through the eyes of love. Everyone you see as an enemy, everyone you see as an idiot who votes wrongly, <laughs> it's simply that man at the end of Angie Gorman's bed. They're lost. They feel alone. They feel unloved. They have no place to go. And the only thing they can think to do is to lash out at those around. 
Deny these things to the power to conceal your love. The love we have to offer this world jubilance, that unfiltered, unconditional, unadulterated love of the holy, it has no opposite. And it will always, always, always defeat fear. So we have a choice in every moment, jubilance. We can try to master our fear. How's that working for you? Or we can learn to become masters of love. And only one of these choices will heal this world in times like these. Breathe deep. The one thing that helped Angie Gorman defuse the violence that this intruder had intended to inflict upon her was this, practice. You see, long before this moment happened, Angie Gorman had dedicated her life to the practice of nonviolence. She had rehearsed seeing the loss of love in others and instead of responding with her own feeling of lost connection to the love of her higher divine self, she practiced making that connection no matter what circumstances she was facing in the moment. So when the time came for her to use her skill, she had it available. She did. And both she and her attacker were freed from their fear. She practiced what our reading from 1 John this morning calls taking up permanent residence in a life of love. I like that. This is the messages, messages version of this reading. Taking up permanent residence in a life of love. When we do this, the scripture says, love has run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we are free of worry because our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Now you've heard that passage before as perfect love casts out fear. But I like the message's phrasing here. Well-formed love. Well-formed love banishes fear because it calls us not just to belief, but to a practice. The practice begins with recognizing why we are fearful creatures in the first place. When we look, we feel quite justified in both defending ourselves from attack as well as attacking. We believe that if we stop defending ourselves, we'll be constantly attacked and people will just use us as a doormat. But nothing could be further than the truth. A course assures us that defenselessness is actually the only thing that will ultimately keep you safe. Why? Because the reason, the only reason that attack exists in this world is because we started it. We picked the fight. And we don't believe that either. We look around the world and we go, no, they started it. We feel attacked, so we attack back. And I'm not saying we go out and beat people up, but we attack up here in our minds all the time. We judge others. We dismiss others. We hate others. We dehumanize and belittle others, all without ever laying a physical finger on them. But that jubilance is still a form of attack. So why do we attack like this? Because we feel separate from one another. 
We feel separate from one another because we feel separated from God. We feel separate from this unfiltered, unadulterated, unconditional love that created us. And that fear produces attack within us. And jubilance, that is what we are truly afraid of. We are afraid that our fear and its habit of attack is really who we are. And we believe it because we have religions that say, oh, you have original sin. No, you don't. You have original blessing. There is no sin in you. That's your fear. That's your ego. That's your little imaginary friend going, look at the mean world. you got to be mean back. It's the only thing that keeps you safe. And then we post about it on Facebook. <laughs> and Twitter. God bless Twitter. Oh, well. <laughs> There's a sermon there. <laughs> right. Oh, jubilance. This is why we're in the mess we're in, both personally and corporately. A course says, we only have two emotions, fear or love. But we're afraid to give up our fear. Who are we without our fear? We think if we're just love, if we're just lovey-dovey, oh, the world's so beautiful and I love the world. How do you function? How are you going to function in the world like that? You've got to be tough. People are going to take advantage of you. You just walk around, oh, I love you. <laughs> without our fear, without our fear, jubilance. I wish people would believe this so much. I wish I would believe this so much. Without our fear. <laughs> Without our fear, we are powerful beyond measure, as Marianne Williamson puts it. We play small because we believe our, we believe, truly, we believe our fear is more powerful than God's love. And that's why Williamson says, it's our light that scares us. It's not our darkness. Everyone remains afraid in this world for one simple reason. One simple reason. Want to know what it is? Ego. We rehearse our fear more than we rehearse our love. We rehearse fear all the time. Turn on the TV. Get on Facebook. You're rehearsing your fear all the time. We practice at it. We perfect our fear. We're so good at it. We do it unconsciously. All the time. All the time. The little voice in your head is judging people. Grievances. That jerk, what is he doing? What? You cut me off, you... It's there. We practice it all the time. Overcoming our fear then just means changing what we practice. Changing what we rehearse. In times like these, it's easy to rehearse our fear. It's everywhere. Rehearsing love, though takes work. This is not spiritual bypass. It never has been. This is the hard work. Fear is easy. Love is hard. It's difficult for us. It's difficult for us to remember that we are innocent, divine children of God. We are eternally safe no matter what chaos seems to swirl around or even within us. We're all meant to shine, William says, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just some of us, she says, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give others permission 
to do the same. As we are liberated from our fear, our presence automatically liberates others. And that's exactly what Angie Gorman did that night. She did not master her fear. She didn't feel her fear and do it anyway. She said she felt afraid the whole night. Instead, she let her inner master of love come through and shine its light in that dark bedroom. And most importantly, she gave her intruder permission to do the same. And it liberated both of them. That's what we're here for, jubilance, to liberate all of us. Not just the people we like, the people we politically agree with, everybody. So what do you do? How do you begin rehearsing love instead of fear? So you can become a master of love. Develop that well-formed love that rules the house. Well, Robert Perry, with the Circle of Atonement, he outlines six steps to help us learn how to become a master of love. First, he says you've got to be vigilant for your feelings of fear. Now, the big ones are easy. You turn on CNN and get the big ones. But what about the little grievances? Just the little forms of attack that just routinely run through your mind. That jerk. What's he, you know. The ego says that's nothing to worry about. Don't ignore that. Don't ignore that. Of course, says all the small worries, all the small fears and anxieties, that's what the ego uses as its bedrock to build its identity. It's not the big ones. It's all the little ones. Don't make them real. Be aware of every fear thought. No matter how insignificant the ego says it is, even the smallest fear destroys our ability to practice love. Next, he says, acknowledge those fears. Don't minimize them. Don't avoid them. Don't hide them. Don't stuff them down. And this is the first step, truly, to dissolving our fearful ego. Thirdly, he says, take responsibility for your fear. We're responsible for the fear because we've chosen to experience it. So instead of being afraid of your thoughts, correct them. Notice when you have them, these are not real. I'm never afraid for the reason I think I am. So correct them. And we do that in the fourth step by looking calmly at the cause of our fear, and that is our lack of love. The attack in us is the only reason we feel afraid. That fear, though, it's not real. It's simply another trick of the ego to keep us engaged in its game of seek but do not find and constantly attack and defend. So in step five, we get to the meat of this practice. In any spiritual practice, you need tools. And a course gives us all the tools we need in the form of its workbook lessons that provide us with the language we need to fulfill the step of choosing truth or love instead of fear. And this is a step that invites us to remember who we truly are. We are not the small, fearful ego. We are the magnitude of God. We are the all that is. We are the awareness of being itself, the light of the world that is meant to shine love at all times. So in this step, we re practice replacing those fearful thoughts with thoughts of love. In your bulletin, they're all from A Course in Miracles today, the, the meditative readings, and they're slogans you can use. So let's take that with you. These are things you can use to dispel your fear. Other things, uh, some of uh, the phrases that Perry recommends includes, light and joy and peace abide in me. My sinlessness is guaranteed by God. Or God is the strength in which I trust. Or one of my favorites, you can afford to laugh at fear thoughts. Remembering that God goes with you wherever you go. Ones I use frequently is, in my defenselessness, my safety lies. 
And I'm learning the truth of that one every day. Or I can choose peace rather than this or peace to such foolishness. The final step is to ask for help. Because the ego isn't going to take it lightly that you're starting to rehearse love over fear. It's going to seek to remind you of all the things it believes you should be rightfully fearful about. So when a fear arises, of course, instructs us, ask Holy Spirit for help. Chapter 2 gives you a simple prayer. I pray that my fear be replaced by an active sense of your love. I pray that my fear be replaced by an active sense of your love. The key to this practice of love, though, is this. We don't do this practice just for ourselves. We do it for the liberation of the world. And that is what saved Gorman that night. She knew that she had to protect not just herself, but her would-be assailant. If either of them gave in to their fear, they would both be damaged by the experience. We dedicate our lives, then, jubilance, to becoming masters of love not as a way to just overcome our own fear, but to end fear once and for all, for everybody. And we can do this because all minds are joined. And as we heal our own fear within, there is less fear in the world. That's not navel-gazing, that's world-changing. Right there. So as we move through this week, and especially these next couple of weeks, as the elections come up, let us practice becoming masters of love by rehearsing love every chance we get. Let us give love the run of the house so that we can create the well-formed love that is needed to banish fear, not just within ourselves, but within the world around us. There's so much fear right now. I beg you, don't add to it. Add only love. Because if enough of us do, that's all we'll see. No matter what happens out here. We have a choice. We can continue to rehearse fear. Or we can learn to love again by constantly rehearsing the love that created us and sustains us. So let us jubilant seek to become masters of love. And master it so well that just our mere presence is enough to dispel all fear and make the whole world say, oh yeah. Thank you for joining us for Weekly Wisdom from Jubilee Circle. If you enjoyed the program, we hope that you'll support us by leaving a good review of this podcast wherever you download your shows. We also hope you'll support us in other ways, either by becoming a subscriber to our YouTube channel and our weekly newsletter, or by supporting us financially. You can find out how to do all of that by visiting our website at jubileecircle.com. Many thanks to Audio Coffee from Pixabay for supplying our podcast music. Join us again next week, and until then, take the words of Meister Eckhart with you. If the only prayer you ever say is thank you, that will be enough. We thank you for your time and wish you the kind of week that will leave you saying, oh yeah. Yeah.